Life is going to give you challenges, struggles. It's going to force you to face your fears. Even though these may feel like your worst enemy, in truth, these are actually your greatest allies. My name is Lance Isios. Welcome to the University of Adversity. Class is in session, about to learn a lesson in the game. We embrace the pain, take it and we make some change. Without scarcity, I don't know where I'll be. It's how we learn and now it's your turn. Let's get it. Welcome to the University of Adversity. What is up, everybody? Welcome back to the show. Another powerful story for you today. Cannot wait to dive into this. Our next guest chased success in the form of money. This led him to various addictions, including work, gambling, cocaine, marijuana, and Adderall, just to name a few. He worked harder and longer than anyone he knew and built a $5.5 million company from that hard work. He started resenting the very business he built, had a bad partnership, and was just not fulfilled after 11 years of doing this. And he made a change and decided he's going to take the risk, sold it all without knowing where his next paycheck would come from. He realized that the true fulfillment is helping others in relatable situations and help change their lives. He released a book as well called Chasing the High, which documents his story, talks about all the different things. He's got some amazing educational stuff in there to teach you guys. And he's also got a program called Fate, F-A-T-E, a program designed for entrepreneurs and business leaders to take back control of their compulsive and addictive behaviors and step into the leader they're born to be. So awesome episode ahead, guys. And I hope you guys get value because hearing these stories of people that aren't weren't gurus, weren't hippies, weren't whatever you want to call them, the usual people promoting uh, mindfulness and all this back in the day, right? That was a stereotype. That was my stereotype. But when you hear somebody from, let's say, the East Coast of New Jersey that you know, usually this stuff doesn't really apply to them. When you hear them talk about it, your eyes start to open up a bit. You start to realize, all right, well, maybe this kind of stuff has a has a purpose and has a place in a lot of different people's lives. So appreciate it, guys. Sit back, relax, enjoy. Michael Dash coming right up. Michael, what's happening, man? Thanks for coming on today. How you doing, my man? I appreciate <laughs> you having me, Lance. Yeah, man. Really excited. And uh, when going through your story... It's, uh, it's always really, it's cool to see somebody that's gone through the kind of shit that you've gone through and been able to get out of it. And even though you were, you did have a successful business, you know, your story and, 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 and where it took you, you know, and where you are now is, is pretty remarkable. So before I give away all the, the, the details of it and what they hear in the intro, maybe walk us through your journey a little bit, man. How did this all start? What was it like for you growing up? Yeah, sure. Uh, I grew up the son of an entrepreneur in New Jersey. So it was embedded in me at an early age to really work hard. My father believed you're the first one in and you're the last one out. And that's how you become successful in life and in business. And so he was always working. He wasn't around much, but I spent a lot of time with him because he had me working in his stores. He had a warehouse, an import-export business, and a retail store all around collectibles and fine china. So if you're familiar with Saworski mm -hmm. or um, you know 
Yadro, Lalique, Baccarat, Waterford, all that fun stuff. So I grew up working in the warehouse and working in that store. And at the age of 11, I was introduced to gambling by my uncle at uh. Thanksgiving. <laughs> Great uncle. Thank you, uncle. Uh, and I won the first bet I ever made. And I won I bet ten dollars and I ended up winning a hundred dollars from that. Oh man. And I was infatuated from that day forward. The rush that it generated inside of me, like how my blood was pumping, I still remember now from being eleven years old. Mm. And so that's kind of when it started for me in terms of my addictive past. And I worked for my father, so I was in the warehouse, and all the guys in the warehouse gambled. So it was very easy for me to continue to gamble. So I gambled with those guys. Whatever paycheck I would get from my dad, I would gamble with them. And then me and my friends started playing cards when we're 14, 15, 16, 17, all the way up. So we're having card games. And it was just anything that I could gamble on, I did. It provided me this rush that I just wanted to duplicate every single time uh, that I could and this, this endorphin, you know, rush. Yeah. And that's kind of how it all started. That's it's crazy because when you have your first big win, I remember when I went to the casino the first time, I think we were like 18 sneaking in and you know, you put in the, the, the five cent machine and ended up winning like 50 bucks. And it's like, Oh man, you get this, oh, it could be like this every time, you know? And then you start, you start playing around with these different games and man, can it ever just fuck with your head? Like, Oh yeah. I mean, the casinos keep getting bigger and they have more chandeliers and they have more <laughs> tables and they have more shows for a reason. Not because it's crazy. We win because they win. Yeah. Right. The ironic thing for me is I wasn't, I wasn't, like a big winner you just like the the thrill of it is that i huh. love the rush of actually making the bet it wasn't even if i won or lost i mean obviously i wanted to win yeah that's true. but i wasn't if i wanted it was making that bet which is why it made it so dangerous for me because even when i would continue to lose i wouldn't stop mm. and then you know that kind of continued to escalate through college and uh that's when i also discovered drugs in college. Uh, I went to a small high school with 89 in their graduating class in New Jersey. And then I went to the University of Maryland, which had like 20 plus thousand people. So it was a drastic change. My roommate in college was actually shot with a 357 Magnum by his ex-girlfriend, blew his tricep out. And one break, when I came back, you know, he had just pills and drugs everywhere in the room. And that's when I started experimenting. Huh. Uh, he's like, try this. It'll give you this feeling. And then try this. It'll take the edge off. It'll make you feel even better. And then I was just consumed with it. And it was a lot of pills and then cocaine, steroids. I mean, all of it. But I really latched on to cocaine and gambling together. And that really kind of spiraled things. And my first foray into entrepreneurship was as a bookie and a drug dealer. What about booze? You didn't get in alcohol? Yeah, I drank, but it wasn't like a thing for me. Like, huh. I had a bad Interesting, stomach. man. I Interesting. had a bad stomach. When I did Coke, I didn't like to drink. 
Really? I couldn't really mix the two. Like I would get sick. Really? Get all fucked up. Yeah. That's bizarre. Well, I mean, that's that's probably good. I mean, when I I was like for me when I was in those partying days, man, it was one and then the other back and forth. I couldn't do one without the other at one point. You know, it was yeah. it's crazy. But like, yeah, I mean. Because what one would give me anxiety, you know, if you did, you know, it's it's crazy talking about this stuff because it's like you think about it, it's like holy shit, man, it gets you, it 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 gets a hold of me. You don't even realize it. You don't realize what it's got, how it has you. Well, yeah, when you're in your twenties, like you're so carefree, you don't really understand life. Yeah, you just you don't understand the 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 destruction you're doing to your body, but not only to your body, to your mind. Like you drive yourself crazy. You start having like mental, real mental challenges. You'll isolate yourself. You'll, yeah. Your best friend will be that drug. For me, it was, you know, again, like I would, I would gamble on everything and I would do coke. I would like pop open my, my computer and play party poker all night long till the wee hours. Huh. Low in lines of coke alone. Crazy. Man. So it was pretty dangerous. Um, at the same time, though, I had a strong work ethic and I was always chasing money. I was infatuated with money. To do all these things, I needed money. And I was very good at sales because I learned at an early age from my father. So when I went to college, I got a job selling home improvements going door to door. So I was selling roofing, siding, decks, um, and windows in the worst areas of Baltimore and D.C., and I was very successful doing it. And then I had a crew and I remember we would all get high and go like smoke weed and go door to door selling home improvements. But because I was good at that, it allowed me to fund the gambling. And then I st again, I started dealing drugs and, and, you know, I figured if, you know, why take drugs? Why take bets when I, or why make bets when I can take bets? Right. Yeah. And, uh, you know, so I, I, there was a point where I took my dad's Lincoln Continental one spring break and I drove from the University of Maryland to the University of New Mexico alone and picked up 22 pounds of marijuana and transported it back to the University of Maryland and sold it to somebody there. You could sell it for $800 a pound in Maryland and you could get it for $300 a pound in New Mexico. So I got half paid up front and the whole thing was basically paid. All I had to do was transport it. And it's some of the stupidest things that I ever did in my life because if I was ever caught, my life would be totally different. Fortunately, I wasn't caught and now it's just a crazy story. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, I mean, those are the things we do in our 20s that are completely reckless and not thought out at all. Yeah. Yeah, thinking about that now, if, if booze was in the mix, do you think it would have, I don't know, do you think you would have been able to be as business-driven? Because alcohol just adds another whole different, like, detriment to your body. It's yeah, like, who knows? Yeah. I, mean, I think I probably would have because it's just who I am. It's yeah. Who, or, you know, it's, who I, it's just in me. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it would have had different different dynamic for sure. For sure. One thing I was able to do is always like folk, always work, always sell. I was always able yeah. to do that. I would participate in those other activities like after, right? So I wouldn't wake up and smoke weed. Like I only smoked weed at the end of the day. I was pretty disciplined with that. I only did Coke on weekends, some nights during the week, but on weekends mainly. Hmm. Wow. You know, I gambled all the time. 
Every day I gamble. That I did every single day. Did you have did you have any trauma growing up that you that you know of that would have been something that would have caused being so, you know, it's crazy because like there's I had I I grew up in a family that was very businesslike. I I felt and still do that my parents had a business type marriage, not like a loving type marriage, even though they say they'll they'll tell you they love each other. It's not like the type of love that I see my other friends' parents have. Uh-huh. So there was no intimacy. There was no holding hands, kissing. There was none of that. It was just like my dad would work his ass off. He came home. We'd kind of eat dinner together some nights. My dad would go to his bedroom, and my mom would go to the other side of the house in the den, and they would be watching totally different shows, and that's it. Hmm. And so I never learned about intimacy. I never learned about relationships. I didn't learn about any of that whatsoever. Yeah. Um, so I guess in some, and, and like, yeah, I mean, like I didn't say I love you to my dad till my like 30s almost. Wow. Even though I loved him, we yeah. just didn't speak like that. Yeah. So, it, was a different, it was a different time too. Like it, it was, you know, yeah, know. but you know, my best friend had it totally different. Oh, like, really? My best friend had parents who were, who were, you know, it was like they were dating. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I guess it depends on your circumstance. But, uh, you know, a lot of people have grown up in different situations. Divorce, I mean, I didn't have divorce or anything, but at some point it felt like they're, well, I, I still feel they live two different lives just under the same roof. Right. So, okay, you managed to create an awesome business still, even though you had these habits. Walk yeah. us through, like, you were in sales. Like, walk us through your business that, that did really well. And, you know, what changed for you during that process? Sure. So, uh, after Maryland, I got a job in New York City. Um, I was four years in sports advertising, and then I went over to the staffing industry and recruiting industry. My best friend was in it. We worked together for four years and I built a $4 million book of business with him. Uh, I then identified an opportunity outside of that business, like a side hustle with a company called E-Trade Financial, if you've ever heard of them. And they needed 800 financial service reps filled within a year. And the first project, part of that project was in Salt Lake City, Utah. So I had one person I knew in recruiting who was in Utah, believe it or not. And we had worked together in New York for a year. So I called her up and I said, hey, do you want to go in on this bid with me? She said, yes, we put the bid in and we won the bid. So in one year on the side from the business I was working in, we filled 800 positions in Salt Lake City, Tampa, Florida, and Jersey City in Alpharetta, Georgia. And that's when I said, you know what? I don't need to work for anybody anymore. I'm going to go to Utah and start a business with her. Mm-hmm. So I left my friends, I left my family to pursue this entrepreneurial dream and went to Utah and we started a staffing business together out in Salt Lake City, Utah. And I landed a client right away, this company, Overstock.com. And in, in five years, we had built the company to five and a half million dollars in revenue a year. And I wanted to continue to grow and she really was content where we were. And she wanted to hang out with her kids more. And I said, that's fine, but we're not splitting things 50-50 when I'm working 10 hours a day and you're working six. And that didn't go over well. And we just started really, uh, had two different directions and everything. So I ended up buying her out Mm -hmm. after five years. 
within six months, uh, we got in a legal battle where I felt she violated the agreement. And um, basically, we had an office in India, and she had an affair with the director in our India office. Uh, and she was married with kids. And I inherited that office and that person who's supposed to run my office and sales started tanking in the office. So I had just paid her a million dollars for this business. And all of a sudden sales are going in the tank and I'm losing business. Oh no. So I was furious. Um, I owed her 350 K more. And in uh, the first six months, 50 K was due, but I found all this out. So I sent her a letter and said, I'm doing an investigation. I believe you violated our agreement. And she sued me. And that started the lawsuit. And that lasted six years. And that cost me $1 million in lawyer fees. It was all over 350K. And six years later, I ended up settling for 350K after I burned a million dollars on the lawyers. Holy shit, man. Ugh. Oh my, <laughs> that hurts. You can't make this shit up. Yeah, yeah, it hurts. It hurts. Well, you know, at the time, I was very ego driven. Yeah, like I was like, "There's no way this bitch is going to fuck screwing me. me over." Yeah, right. And I felt screwed over, and I was very emotionally, um, let's just say, immature. I was emotionally immature. My EQ was not developed yet. I was on, I had stopped gambling at the time and I had stopped doing Coke, but I had shifted those over to Adderall and GHB. And I was still smoking pot every night. So if you're familiar with Adderall and GHB, you know, I mean, basically my days looked like I would wake up in the morning, down my venti coffee from starbucks um which i don't go to anymore support your local coffee shops uh, <laughs> uh so i would down that because then i would pop like a 20 to 30 milligrams of adderall and i'd be off and flying and adderall was one of the worst addictions i had if not the worst because it even though i could get a shit ton of work done it really fucks with your emotional state so if you're having like an amazing, if you're having a good day, let's put it that way, and you're on Adderall, it's the best day that you could ever possibly have. Oh. And, and if you like one thing goes wrong for you and you're on Adderall, you're having the worst fucking day of your life. So it really is completely extreme one way or the other. And it affected how I treated my employees and other people in my life. And I really was very short with them. I wasn't compassionate. I didn't lead from a place of mentorship. I led from a place of correction. And so I was kind of a jerk to a lot of my staff. I was under a lot of pressure because of all this money. I was paying back a loan I took to buy the company. I was paying these lawyers off. I had this lawsuit. I was just like, you know, moving money here, there, and everywhere. And up and down with my emotional state with these different drugs. And on the weekends, like, drinking and doing GHB and blacking out. And um, so on the outside, though, a lot of people didn't know because I hid it from everybody. Hmm. You know, my employees knew I was kind of like a dick, 
<laughs> but yeah. people outside are like, oh, Michael's got it all. He's got a successful company. He's got a couple of houses. He's got a car. Look, this guy's got everything. Yeah. I was emotionally bankrupt and, you know, I was on the verge of suicide. It's amazing how many people can hide that kind of stuff. You know, even with, with drugs and alcohol, there's functional, there's functional alcoholics, there's functional drug addicts. It's crazy, man. Once your body becomes used to it and you know how to like kind of correct yourself so that you can, you can kind of get through the day certain ways, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's crazy, man. How many people go through that stuff? Like hundred percent. And I was yeah. still like managing all the, you know, entrepreneurship can be a lonely road. I mean, I was managing, you know, everything and small business, especially like 30 people in three offices in India and Salt Lake City, Utah, New York. And, um, you know, I was always worrying about something, whether it was clients, whether it was a lawsuit, whether it was accounting, whether it's delivery, whether it's our internal staff, whether it's, you know, whatever it is. What, what changed for you though? Okay. So you had the lawsuit, you're, you're feeling really shitty. You know, what was, was that when you decided to just make a change or was there another, like, was there somebody like a, a mentor or a book you read? Like what, what was the catalyst for you there? Sure. So I took a trip to Bali actually. And I went on a, my first retreat that I had ever gone on. I didn't even know a life-changing Bali, man. I didn't even know what a retreat was, but it was this retreat called unconventional life. Cool. Amazing retreat. Still goes on today. Mm -hmm. I've been to four of them now. And it's run by a woman named Jules Schroeder. You should check her out. She's got um, Unconventional Life podcast and Unconventional Life where she brings people together who want to live life on their terms, not based on societal norms and what society dictates to us. Because if you really think about it, I mean, I wasn't given much of a choice growing up. I mean, you go, you're going to school, you're expected to go to college, you're expected to get good grades, you're expected to get that job, you're expected mm -hmm. to get that promotion and get that car, get that house, get that bigger house, get that girl or, or guy, get married, have kids, like blah, 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 because that's what society expects. Yeah. But um, so this is a group of people who are building life on their terms. Right. Awesome. And so I went there and I was in one of their sessions, the business accelerator. I was in one of their sessions and there were two people talking about flow and living in flow, which is a practice of making decisions by following your intuition, not your head, not your conscious thought process, but your intuitive guide, that energy that pulls you. Some people may refer to it as their gut. They have a gut feeling, but it's that intuition, right? And yeah. that guides you. Even if it doesn't make sense, follow the intuition. It will reveal itself at the right time. And so I actually thought they were completely full of shit. They were talking up there about how their lives changed, about all how they were able to manifest. Like they, were, they had great corporate jobs. They were very smart, high-level people, but they weren't happy. And so they changed their lives. They were able to manifest their future. They had all these synchronicities coming up in their life. And they were being flown all over the world for free to speak. And they're part of the Melinda and Bill Gates Foundation. They were meeting all these people. I was like, give me a fucking break yeah like i'm from the east coast like i was yeah. taught don't believe in this flow don't believe in this you know 
mm. uh, astrology or meditation or, mm. you know, palm readers or whatever, you know, tarot card bullshit, whatever it was, like I was just taught, don't believe in any of this nonsense. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I was skeptical. I was, I've been a skeptic all my life. That's how I was raised. Yeah. So I questioned it and, you know, I, I basically raised my hand in front of 30 strangers and said, hey, no offense. I appreciate what you're presenting, but I think you're full of shit. And um, they pushed back on me and they said, let's talk after the session. And so we talked after the session and for like an hour, I told them how much pain and misery I was in because of this lawsuit and that I felt completely stuck in my life. I felt like I was running this business at that point that was running me. I wasn't happy. It was running me. Uh, I was stuck in this lawsuit with hundreds of thousands of dollars in debt to pay off. And it, and I just never thought it would end because we hated each other. Me and my ex-business partner hated each other. And um, I was doing Adderall, smoking weed, and I was living a miserable existence, basically. And they were telling me stories about how the couple they worked with were going through a terrible divorce. And after working with them for three months, it was settled and blah, 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 blah. And I was like, that's not going to happen with me. But I left there and I flew back from Bali to Utah. And I, I had one thought in my mind after speaking with them. It was, would it be so bad to live a different way? Would it be so bad to live a different way? Yeah. And I just sat with that for like 16 hours. It was a long flight. And I just, I started like feeling in my body light, like lighter. Like a, a weight was like lifted off my shoulder. It was almost like optimism was creeping in through that, that one statement. Having a lighter feeling throughout. So I said, screw it. I'm going to take their online course, which was like $1,200, right? And it was the best $1,200 I ever spent on anything in my life. And I made one promise to myself. I said, I will not judge whatever they tell me, and I will just do it. I will do the practices they assign, even if I think they're weird as shit. I will do it, mm. and I will not judge it. And that's what I did. And they had you go through this whole process of clearing out your limiting beliefs through EMDR and tapping. If you're familiar with any of those. Yeah. yeah. And then put in all your positive beliefs through the same process and go through this entire like 10 or 12 week thing, whatever it was. And yeah. it started to change my life. I was able to start manifesting things in my life. I was seeing synchronicities all over the place. Now, I had never said those words. I knew what they meant, but I never said them. They were not in my, my vocabulary. Before. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, you know, eventually, I mean, it didn't happen right away. I mean, I had to work at it and I had to yeah. implement and I had to catch myself. When you wire your brain a certain way for so many years, it takes time to rewire it. And that's yeah. the process I was going through at that time. Man, that's so awesome to hear because I can completely relate. I could tell, you know, you come from a place where East Coast, that stuff is just not even a conversation. Like, fuck off with that stuff. And it's great to hear somebody like yourself being able to go through that because I was the same way. I always used to think like gratitude and meditation was all a bunch of bullshit and it was just like woo-woo stuff. And my, my family, like growing up, it was, I never had an, 
any of that put into my head that all that was just bullshit. Right. And I was the same, man. Like it was really hard at first, but you have to surrender. Just be like, well, what is, is what's happening right now that great? Like, would it, like you said, would it be so bad if I thought I lived a different way? And, and when you start to think like that, like, why don't I just try this? What's the worst that can happen? And when you start to do that stuff, it does take time because you're trying to program. You, you got weird past beliefs coming in and telling you that, that you can't and, and, and whatever the challenges you're going through, it's, it's hard. It's just like going to the gym, right? You're not going to get in shape going to the gym once. You have to keep going and it has to be a process just like anything. And, and so is reprogramming yourself. Yeah, totally. But you know, and, and it's so important to be curious. Yeah. I'm a big proponent of the power of curiosity. It can change your life. Try something new, try something you haven't done. Yeah. Right. And, and look, just because your friends say it's, they don't like it just because your family doesn't like a certain activity, just because your spouse or girlfriend or boyfriend, you know, doesn't resonate with it. Doesn't mean you won't. Try it for yourself before adopting their opinions and judgment on something. Yeah. Because different things resonate with different people. And I think that's the biggest uh, roadblock for people to change is because they listen to what's been programmed in their minds by the media, by their friends, by their family, by their coworkers that certain things are a certain way, negative or positive or whatever it might be, and just adopt it without experiencing it themselves. Yeah, they base their decisions on what they learn from other people or around them, but they ignore what feels right for them. You know, and what are some of the things, though, that you were able to do to be able to tap into your intuition better? Like, what what allowed that? Because I know it, it, it's Surrender. a challenge. Surrender. Like, in, yeah. So how somebody out there listening, that's kind of stubborn. They're, you know, they're hustling. They, they don't really see the point of like that side, that spirituality side of, of intuition or whatever. What are some things that you can recommend that somebody to break through the noise of all these different opinions and actually surrender and get, curious on what's happening from yourself, like what your actual intuition is. Yeah. First of all, I would say hustle and intuition go hand in hand. Yeah. Like, there's, like people who are hustling are intuitive, right? Yeah. And successful people are, are very intuitive and they follow their intuition without calling it that, without knowing that they might call it their gut. Like a lot of people call it their gut. I have a gut feeling. Yeah. It's your intuition. Mm -hmm. Right. And so it's really about, recognizing that certain things happen for a reason. And even if you don't know what the reason is, you don't need to know. Mm -hmm. The reason will present itself at the right time. Mm -hmm. So for instance, I'll give you an example. I was just in Madagascar. Okay. Amazing experience with yeah. unconventional life again. Cool. Right. At uh, the fourth retreat I was, I've been through with them. And I, was there for the retreat and I was staying five days after. Well, there was like, I wanted to change my flight and only stay two days after, right? Um, because five days I just was feeling at that moment, it was too much and there wasn't, I didn't really, so two days. So I call up the airline and I'm calling and I'm, we're going through all the changes and everything. 
and we get to the end and they said, okay, your flight is tomorrow. And I said, tomorrow? You know, I said I wanted it two days from now, Thursday. They're like, okay, well, we have to go through the whole process again and we got to start all over if you want that. I said, you know what? Leave it for tomorrow. I left the next day. The following day, a cyclone hit. No way. All the people that I was with were stuck there for five more days. They couldn't leave. They couldn't do anything. They were all like, one of them had nerve damage. One of them, something else happened. No way. Stomach viruses, all this stuff. I didn't know what happened on that call. Uh, My old self would have been like, yeah, start over. I'm leaving in two days. But something happened that led me to that (laughs) position to just, and I just said, you know what? I'm just going to leave. That's crazy. Right? And that's like a perfect example of going with, the flow, right, of allowing the flow to happen, of being intuitive enough to recognize, all right, well, I already got, I got to this point and for some reason, like, I didn't communicate it, it didn't happen, the world was telling me, like, this energetic force is telling me, get out of here. Yeah. That's... And and I left. So that's just one example, but these things happen to me all the time now. Hmm. So, all right, you, so now... Talk us, talk us about fate. Is that, do you just, do you say fate or do you say F-A-T-E? Like, how do you say it? Because this oh, is, I mean, yeah, no, I like fate. that. It's cool. It's very cool. Walk us through that, man, because it's, uh, yeah, it's interesting stuff. Thank you. So uh, F-A-T, it's, it's from addict to entrepreneur. Yeah, I love it. So I have an interview series where I interview former addicts who are now entrepreneurs and I write articles and profile them in Thrive Global and Medium. And I have a coaching program where I work with other entrepreneurs or business leaders who might be dealing with addictive or compulsive behaviors or isolation challenges. And I develop this process to take them through isolation and take them through to curiosity, where we tap, excuse me, to connection, where we tap into your curiosity. We put that into action. We put that that action then turns into community and that community uh, connection and that connection turns into community. And it's all through this four step process and, and through this alignment assessment that I give everybody. Very so cool. we track all your activities to assure that what you're actually spending your time on on a day to day basis is aligned with where you are trying to be in life and what is fulfilling you. And so many times, we're just going through life doing, 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 doing. We're not actually assessing. What are we actually doing all day? Yeah. And how does that measure with where I want to be in life? Yeah, it makes sense. And then take them through this whole process where they're connected through their curiosity, they're trying new activities. They're incorporating new activities into their life. Maybe it's going for a hike and they have, they're not a hiker. They haven't hiked before, right? Maybe it's going to try meditation. Maybe it's going to uh, play an instrument. Do the things that we used to do as children all the time, but as adults, they're stripped away from us because we get sucked into this like way of living mm. that's just so robotic. Yeah. So tapping into those, and then when you find things that you do resonate with, then you surround yourself with people who resonate with those things also, mm-hmm. and all of a sudden you're building connection, community and connection. Mm-hmm. 
and you will up-level your profits in your business by doing this personally because you'll be able to relate to and connect with your employees in a different way, your spouse, girlfriend, boyfriend, a different way, and um, everything will will open up. I've had you know entrepreneurs who've doubled their profits after yeah. they've gone through my program just by uh, fulfill, bringing more fulfillment to their life overall, mm -hmm. which allows them to focus more and communicate better in their business. Yeah, so essentially they're just living with way more intention on that, like actually hundred percent paying attention to the the daily habits and the things that will align with that goal instead of saying they want that and wishing for it to happen actually taking the steps on a daily basis and 100%. living intentionally because a lot of times we don't live in intention we're just we're on autopilot right we're just like floating around <laughs> it's crazy From one thing to the next you go on your phone you have a look you get you you, you get stuck in that vortex and you forget what you're doing and then you know like the whole day's gone and then you didn't work towards what you're actually what you actually want to do you're right so we all do it we all do I'm it working on it it's, it's great my... to be able to have that awareness though because i do it all the time but now i'm a, at least i catch myself I'm like hey what are you doing what is that going to do like what is scrolling on on social media going to do right now nothing you literally have to put your phone in a different room you know you do and that's a great practice yeah yeah it's just the, the, the intentional habits are the things that add up in the day. I'm reading Atomic Habits right now. It's a great book talking about that. Um, talk us, I want to hear about your book, Chasing the High, as well. Because yeah. So you talked about um, right Kil Kilimanjaro. That, that's where the picture is? Yeah, I climbed Mount Kilimanjaro oh, in 2016 awesome. and raised um, – funds for leukemia lymphoma society it was called awesome. for a cure so i was very involved in them over the years uh raised over a hundred thousand dollars for them awesome and um the book chasing the high it's an entrepreneur's it's, it's my basically my story of an entrepreneur's mindset through addiction lawsuits and journey to the edge hmm. and it really talks about uh you know my journey from a child growing up um, all the mistakes that I made, but most importantly, the lessons that I learned that others can incorporate into their lives, whether they're an entrepreneur or not. And there's a great chapter in there. There's several. I mean, I wrote it. I hope I wouldn't say it. Yeah. <laughs> but there's a great chapter in there called The Habit of Habit Making. And it talks about the importance of building strong habits into your life. And as you evolve as a human being, your habits should also evolve. And that's where that curiosity comes into play, where you need to continue to tap into that curiosity and try new activities, see what resonates with you as you're evolving and incorporate those into habits. Mm. Awesome. So that's a very powerful chapter that a lot of people enjoy. There's also a chapter on unconventional life that I talked about. There's a chapter on finding flow and being able, and it talks all about intuition in there and how you're able to integrate that into your life. So I would highly recommend reading that chapter. That's a very powerful chapter also. And um, yeah, the audio book is actually coming out next week. By the time this airs, the audio book might be out on Audible. You must really resonate with a lot of people because that's the great thing about this nowadays is that this kind of conversation or mindfulness and all this 
spiritual growth, whatever, it used to just be a certain type of person promoting it, you know, like a hippie style person or I don't know what, but now you have more people, you know, like yourself that like when they see like a hard ass from New, New Jersey, a hard worker yeah. talking about this stuff, it must, it resonates with people because it's not just one certain kind of person talking about this now. Yeah. Right? It's, 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 it's very, it, you, you're hearing it all over the place, all different walks of life. People are realizing that, you know, and, and, and I like that. That's, that's super powerful. So I, I'm assuming you must, a lot of people can resonate with your story, man. And, and, and to hear that would be like, wow, if he did it, I'm going to do it. I'm going to try this. Right. Yeah. I, I, yeah. And I hope your listeners get some value out of this. You know, it's all about when you self publish like I did and you know, you're not like this big fish, you know, it's all about just hitting the rounds and, you know, really getting, getting your story in front of people. So they give you a chance and, and, you know, listen to you that you do have value that they can incorporate into their lives and it will up level their life. Mm. Um, so, um, so yeah, I, I get great reviews when people read it. It's all about just getting it out there and continuing to, you know, spread the message. Awesome, man. Because we can all change, you know, yeah. change is actually easy. We all convince ourselves that change is difficult because we think about what we want the end result to be instead of breaking it down and thinking like, Oh, I want to lose 30 pounds. It's going to be impossible. Well, you don't think about it like, you break it down day by day and you wake up and you say, today, no more donuts. Yeah. I'm getting my ass to the gym. Yeah. Right? And you do the same thing tomorrow. Yeah, break it down you, just the day. The, the, the day. What can you do today? Don't worry exactly. about tomorrow. Yesterday's gone. Today. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yesterday, you know, the past might define us. Yeah. Um, or the past might be who we are, but the future is who we will be. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's just that decision to to change, and then you just move forward. Yeah, yeah, and do it small. I believe in baby steps. I believe in small change, and that amounts to momentum. Yeah. And then when you have momentum, all of a sudden you you've implemented three small changes, and then you've actually made a big change when you add all three of those together. Yeah. So break it down and do small things. Yeah. I just started this seventy-five hard challenge. By Andy Frischilla. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'm on like day five, day four. Yeah. Yeah. And um, it, it's great because it brings discipline in, into my life. And it's good. I want to continue to get more disciplined mentally. Yeah, it's good. I think we all need it. Yeah. So back to the book. Um, yeah, this was a uh, picture from when I climbed the top of Mount Kilimanjaro. I turned around and I took a picture and this ray of sunlight was shooting down. And my friend had climbed it two months ago, Mark Weiss, Navy SEAL, did six tours. And two days later, he unfortunately drowned off the coast of Tanzania. So when I climbed this two months later and I turned around and took this picture, I knew, I felt that he was manipulating the sun and that that beam of sunlight is that's him cool. up there because he's a Navy SEAL. He knows how to do shit. And um, he was laughing at me like, dude, Dash, it took you eight days to do it. It took me five. That's awesome, man. Uh, it's great. Where can everybody check you out? Where can we find you? Yeah, you can check my website out, michaelgdash.com. talks about my programs, my book. Uh, I'm also on social media, 
Michael Dash One on Facebook and M D A S H One on Instagram, and I'm on LinkedIn as well. Cool, man. And uh, we'll have a link for your your book. It's on Amazon, obviously, right? Yeah, the book is on Amazon. If you want to get the first two chapters, you can go to my website. You can get the first two chapters free. If you want to check those out on my website, uh, and um, I can put you on my weekly newsletter. I have some great video con, uh, excuse me, great email content with video in there as well, and you'll you'll laugh also. Um, Awesome, man. So uh, yeah, we'd love to to get 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 your uh, audience in there uh, for free. Yeah, cool. We'll have it all in the show notes so everybody can see it clearly. Um, awesome. One last question to end off. What is one lesson that adversity has taught you? Don't make emotional decisions. Biggest lesson I could give anybody, whether it's in business or in life. When you're an emotional high point or an emotional low point and you have some sort of challenge in front of you, issue in front of you, discussion in front of you. Take a breather. Breathe. Take a walk. Elevate your heart rate to normal level and then respond. Because when you act emotionally, it's not the normal state of how you would act and it has ramifications. Every action has a reaction. Awesome, man. That's a great tip. Well, dude, thank you so much for coming and uh, dropping the value. That was, it's great. I love hearing a story like that. You know, it's, uh, (laughs) it's opening people's eyes, man. And just more building more awareness so people can, you know, realize that it's okay to change their shit, to change up how they think things aren't working, you know? So hundred percent. Awesome, man. Well, I appreciate you and uh, yeah, all the best. Thanks so much, Lance. Appreciate it. My pleasure. Michael Dash, everybody. Thanks, everybody. Check out Michael. And as always, please leave a review. Let us know what you think. Take a screenshot. Share it. Add value by... We want to add value to you, so please show us that you got value from it by sharing it or giving a review something. Appreciate you guys. Love you. Catch you next time.